The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Airflow Breast Pumps. Did you know that your health insurance will cover the cost of a breast pump? It is true, guys. I promise. In fact, many health insurance plans also cover milk storage bags, breastfeeding prep courses, and more. At Airflow Breast Pumps, you can shop top-rated breast pumps from brands like Medela, Spectra, and Motif without ever opening your wallet. Fill out their quick and easy insurance eligibility form, and they'll take care of the rest. It might just be the easiest thing that you do during your whole pregnancy. Just visit airflowbreastpumps.com slash mommy labor nurse. That's A-E-R-O F-L-O-W breastpumps.com slash mommy labor nurse to find out why more than 1 million moms have chosen Airflow Breast Pumps to get their pump through insurance. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I am focusing exclusively on the first Number one, first trimester of pregnancy. It's an ask me anything style episode, which I love doing for you guys. Just, you know, getting questions from my community and you guys seem to love these too. So let's just do more of them, right? So all of the questions on today's show were submitted via Instagram stories. I just selected a bunch that I wanted to answer with a little bit more detail than I can on Instagram. And this episode was born. <laughs> so if you are in the first trimester, you want to learn more, know that way back in episode 35, way back, yeah, way back in episode 35, I did another first trimester FAQ episode that you can check out after this one. Are you ready to learn how to tackle nausea, fatigue, anxiety? So exciting <laughs> and so much more. Let's get into it. All right, let's get right into this episode about first trimester questions. So this first one is a good one to start off with. This one says, what are some of the first things that I should change as soon as I get a positive pregnancy test? So number one, start taking a prenatal vitamin. I took ritual vitamins when I was pregnant with Ryland and I took a couple different brands when I was pregnant with Walter. But yeah, that's one of the first things that I would recommend doing is going to the store or getting on Amazon or getting on wherever and ordering yourself some good high quality prenatal vitamins. 
A lot of women are already taking prenatal vitamins when they get that positive test because maybe they were trying to conceive at that time. And it is recommended to take a prenatal vitamin if you are trying to conceive. But if you, you know, this was a surprise baby or, you know, maybe you just weren't taking them. Yeah, definitely one of the first things to do is to get on a good prenatal vitamin. Another thing that is fun, that's not necessarily a change, but maybe an addition is start downloading all those fun apps. Yeah. Like what to expect or the expectful apps, the ones that show you, oh, my baby is the size of a raspberry this week. And it just kind of tells you things that you should be doing, how big baby is. It's just fun to start learning about what's going on inside your body. And speaking of apps, I don't have an app, but I do have a weekly pregnancy series that will send you an email each week of your pregnancy, letting you know what's going on with you and what's going on with baby. And we are revamping it all the time. We've got tips and tricks, blog posts you can read, podcast episodes you can listen to, and it just tracks your pregnancy, follows your pregnancy. You'll get stuff that is applicable to you in that stage of your pregnancy. So definitely sign up for that MLN weekly pregnancy series if you haven't already. Another thing you should do and change is if you're a smoker or if you drink alcohol, don't do that anymore. Stop. Okay. If you need help stopping smoking, that is okay. Reach out to your healthcare provider. It can definitely be tricky to completely, you know, do cold turkey quitting smoking. So if you need help with that, your healthcare provider is definitely there for you for that. Another thing to do is to do a little math in your head and say, hey, when was my last period? If you're trying to conceive, you probably know, but maybe, you know, if this was a surprise baby, kind of get in your head, make sure you know when your last missed period was, because that is going to be something that your OBGYN or your midwife is going to want to know at that first prenatal appointment. And that is my next one <laughs> is call your provider and make that first prenatal appointment. And then the last thing is tell your partner if you have a partner. I mean, I guess some people get pregnant without partners, but if there's someone else involved in the process, tell them, say, hey, something's going on in here. <laughs> Next question is, once you get a positive test, how soon should you see a provider for the first checkup? So this one's tricky because it kind of depends on your health history. I know some moms who, especially moms who are having trouble conceiving, sometimes they will see you like right away just to draw some blood and check on your HCG levels. But if you just found out you were pregnant and you give your provider a call, they will probably say, okay, congratulations. We are going to schedule you for a confirmation ultrasound around mm, six to eight weeks of pregnancy. And that is usually a fairly quick appointment. They just pretty much do an ultrasound and it's usually internal ultrasound vaginal probe. And they do that just to confirm that you are pregnant. And then you probably won't go to another appointment until about 10 to 12 weeks pregnant. And that is when they will do another ultrasound. Usually that one is an abdominal ultrasound, but they will get a lot of health history from you and start drawing blood and just that's a little bit of a longer appointment. But some providers actually don't even do the confirmation ultrasound at like six to eight weeks. Some providers just say, okay, call me obviously if you're having any symptoms, but We'll see you between 10 and 12 weeks, but I would advise you to go by the recommendations of your provider. 
Number three question is, I think I'm nine. I'm not sure. I have a good bit of first trimester questions, but number three is I'm dealing with anxiety of waiting for that first appointment. Help. Yeah. Very good question. This is something that I think almost all of us deal with that time frame between peeing on the stick and finding out you're pregnant and that first appointment because you're kind of like, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant because I peed on the stick and I'm not getting my period anymore. And I feel kind of crappy and I feel like I'm pregnant, but I don't have any movement in there. I don't really know what's going on. So it can give you a lot of anxiety, especially if you're someone who's had losses in the past. You really want that confirmation that like, hey, there is a baby in here and they have a heartbeat. So one of the things that I think it was in episode two, Psyched Mommy, Dr. Asherina Reem came onto the podcast and we talked a little bit about this. And one of the things that she said to me that always stuck with me was she would tell herself, I'm pregnant until somebody tells me that I'm not pregnant. And today I woke up and I'm still pregnant. And for that, I am grateful. And I really liked her take on it because it helps you to get rid of all of those. What about, you know, what is this going on? You know that what you just said is true, right? You woke up and you're still pregnant. Nobody's told you that you're not pregnant. Another thing that you can do to help with some of that anxiety is obviously do some relaxation techniques. I know the Expectable app has a very good selection of all different pregnancy and postpartum meditations, but especially first trimester meditations, specifically for these moms who are extra anxious in that first trimester. So those relaxation guided meditations are really, really good to do to stay grounded and just stay present. And then staying busy is always a really good thing to do. Finding activities that you enjoy to kind of just take your mind off of this anxiety, exercise, reading books, you know, listening to music, whatever your hobbies are. And then finding support is also a good thing to do. And I will say that with a grain of salt. So you want to find the right support, right? So if you've got a therapist, right, make sure that you are up and getting some sessions with your therapist, maybe get a few extra ones in that first trimester. Make sure you're staying connected with your friends who fill you up and your family members who fill you up. And joining Facebook groups can sometimes be beneficial by, you know, you're finding other moms who are in the same stage of pregnancy as you. Maybe it's a Facebook group. Maybe it's the peanut app. Maybe it's just on Instagram. You know, you're connecting with people on the internet. Maybe it's TikTok, whatever. But just know that sometimes the internet, you know, and just communities like this can do more harm than good, especially if you're extra, extra anxious in that first trimester. So I would caution, totally okay. You know, community is great, great, great. But if you're starting to get the sense that, okay, wait a second, the internet is making me more anxious, then maybe just turn it off for, for a little while and just surround yourself with friends and family who fill you up. Next question is, how often do you go to appointments? Oh, good one. Are you wondering what you can be doing in your first trimester of pregnancy? There is actually more than you think. Inside of my free first trimester prep pack, you will get a first trimester checklist to stay on top of all your early pregnancy tasks with a handy list of don't forgets. <laughs> you will get a how to prepare for prenatal appointments little sheet, which is a printable guide to help you learn what to bring, what to expect and what questions 
to ask, and you'll get a printable weekly pregnancy journal. You can use these keepsake-worthy pages to document your week-by-week symptoms, cravings, best moments, and more. There is one actually for every single week. Yay. So to start your pregnancy on the right track, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash first trimester. That's mommylabornurse.com slash F-I-R-S-T trimester to access your free first trimester prep pack today. The first trimester, we already went over it. Usually you have that confirmation ultrasound at about six to eight weeks when you're first pregnant. And then you have another one between like 10 to 12. Sometimes it goes all the way up to like 11 to 14. And then you'll pretty much have an appointment every four weeks until you get to about 28 weeks. And depending on your health history, you might have a few more. Okay, you'll have an anatomy ultrasound usually around 18 to 20 weeks. So that's kind of like an extra appointment. But if you have some other kind of medical history going on, like they screen you for gestational diabetes, your blood pressures are high, or you have a high-risk pregnancy of some sort, you might have some extra ultrasounds or just some extra appointments in between those regular four-week appointments. But in general, you'll have an appointment pretty much each month of your pregnancy until you get to that 28-week mark. And then once you hit 28 weeks, it's every two weeks. So you go 28, 30, 32, 34. And then once you hit 36 weeks, it's usually every week until you have your baby. Next question is, is it normal to have little to no symptoms? Yeah, so completely normal to have little to no symptoms. Woohoo, you, like if you don't, that's something to cheer about because the first trimester can definitely be a doozy for a lot of people. So if you are one of those that you are a lucky duck and you don't have a whole lot going on, that's awesome and very normal. Some women do experience the morning sickness, the super crazy fatigue, your boobs are always sore, and some people just really don't. And really, everybody's different. Every pregnancy is different. Some people have very, very different pregnancies, and sometimes the same person will have two very, very different pregnancies. Like the first time she was pregnant, she had all these crazy first trimester symptoms, and the second time, nothing. And that's completely normal too. Now, I will say some studies have shown that women who experience fewer symptoms in the first trimester may have a little bit of a higher risk for miscarrying. But I'm not saying that to scare you because that doesn't mean that if you don't have many symptoms, you're going to have a miscarriage. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And that being said, if you're concerned about your lack of symptoms, like, okay, I felt pregnant, like I was pregnant, you know, yesterday and today, I'm just not feeling pregnant. Or if you just have any other concerns, we're here. It is okay to call your provider and say, something is not right. It's okay to use your mom intuition, even though you haven't had your baby yet, you are a mom, you're pregnant. And it is okay to use that intuition within you and say, hey, something is not right. I just want to make sure that everything's okay. That's why we're here. We want to make sure that you feel supported and taken care of. And don't hesitate to reach out to us if you are concerned about anything. I will say too, it is important to note that your symptoms can really vary from day to day. So 
this happens all the time where you feel pregnant one day and the next day you're like, I just really don't feel very pregnant. And then the next day you're like, I definitely feel pregnant. Yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely still pregnant. And then the next day you're like, I'm not sure what's going on. It can be very kind of up and down because your body's starting to get all of these hormones, rip, you know, going all around in your body. And it can definitely cause you to have all these crazy like ebbs and flows of mood and symptoms. So just remember, take care of yourself, try to stay hydrated, try to eat if you can, and just know that those symptoms can come and go. This next question is, when do I call about spotting in the first trimester? So if you have any spotting, I have to say this, right? If you have any spotting at all, regardless of how pregnant you are, if you're in the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester, always do recommend that you reach out to your provider, at least give them a call, give them a heads up and explain to them what's going on and describe your spotting. Is it accompanied by cramping? How long has it been going on? How much of it? And they can kind of assess you over the phone like a lot of the time, but I do recommend that you at least call, okay? Because spotting can be nothing. It is very, very common to spot in that first trimester when you're having all of these changes to your body. And sometimes you can have just like cervical spotting. It's not your placenta or anything. It's just from your cervix a little bit, but sometimes it can be a sign of something more serious. So it's always a good idea to call just so we know and we can mark it down like Liesl called at this time at this day and she was complaining of this and maybe then you call back later and you're complaining of blah, blah, blah. It's gotten better or worse. Just we have kind of like a track history. Always a good idea. Just at least call. Now, it is important, obviously, if it is accompanied by cramping or any pain really at all, that you call and you really let them know what's going on because that can definitely signal that you might be kind of at the beginning of a miscarriage. It also might not be anything because it is common to have cramping in the first trimester as well. I know it's very confusing. <laughs> it's very, very confusing. This is why we have all these questions because it's just when you're pregnant, there's some stuff is normal. Some stuff can not be normal and blah, 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 blah. But yes, if you're having any pain, definitely give your provider a call. If you're having heavy bleeding, right? Okay. So you're soaking through a pad. It's more than spotting. That's definitely abnormal. We want to give our provider a call about that. Or if you are just you know, you had that first spotting, right? And you called and you did your due diligence and then you're still having that spotting a few days later. You want to be sure to make sure and check up on that and give your provider a call about that, especially if it is still red or pink blood. You know, if you're having spotting and it's initially red and then you're seeing that it's, you know, turning brown and it's looking like it's going to go away, but it's still been a day or two, that's usually okay. But if you're still consistently spotting for a day or two, it's definitely something to give your provider a call about. And remember, always a good idea, better safe than sorry to call if you have any concerns at all. This next question is, what is the science behind morning sickness? Ooh, I have this on my post tracker that I want to do a post on this because it is kind of interesting. So nausea and vomiting of pregnancy is what we refer to it as a morning sickness, aka it's a common symptom, if not the most common symptom that moms experience during pregnancy. And it's really not exactly 
fully understood why it happens. One big theory, which is more than likely what's going on, is that it is a result of the increased level of these hormones that are starting to circulate in your body when you first get pregnant, like HCG and estrogen. And these hormones can really affect that GI tract and shake it up a little bit and cause some pretty severe nausea and sometimes some pretty severe vomiting as well. All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, thank you so much for your course on natural birth. I had my second natural birth and this one was so much easier and I was so much more confident. I had so many more tools in my toolbox to help me have a successful birth. Yay! The midwife who delivered my baby was not someone I met prior, so I gave her my birth plan and she was immediately on the same page. Oh, that's so great. I am so glad that I printed it out and I had it ready. Otherwise, I would have never been able to explain my plan through all my contractions. I get that. Every mom should take your course all to have a great experience. Thank you so much. Oh, so sweet. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Another theory is that morning sickness can be a result of your body's protective mechanism to prevent you and your baby from ingesting potentially harmful substances. So this is kind of interesting because This kind of goes back to the craving conversation too. So a lot of women will crave things that have nutrients that their body needs more of during pregnancy, like iron, okay? It's kind of crazy. There's this thing called pica where you crave things that aren't food, okay? Like dirt, because it contains a lot of iron in your body and wants this extra iron when you're pregnant. On the flip side, you can also have pretty severe aversions to things that can be harmful to you or baby, Like a lot of times moms have, like it's very common for moms to just not want anything to do with meat during pregnancy or coffee during pregnancy. Now, I'm not saying that if you eat meat or even if you drink coffee that that's super crazy harmful, but if you eat bad meat, right, or if you drink too much coffee and you have too much caffeine, it can be harmful to your baby. So it's kind of this weird phenomenon, weird theory that might suggest that it might have something to do with that. So certain odors, certain flavors might really trigger that nausea and vomiting even as a way to protect you and baby. And then some research does suggest that morning sickness might be related to genetic factors. So if you just have a family history of nausea and vomiting during pregnancy, like your mom had really, really bad morning sickness or HG hyperemesis, then you might be more likely to experience severe morning sickness as well. This next question is, what are some of the things that you should eat if you can't keep anything down in the first trimester? Yeah, good question. We were just talking about morning sickness. So, okay, this one is tough because it's common that we have moms come in. They're like, I've been trying to even drink water and I can't keep anything down. I can't keep anything down. So obviously water, okay? We want to try and stay as hydrated as possible. Small sips. A lot of moms like 
very cold water, like very, very cold water can be easier to take sips of than like room temperature water, trying a little bit of ginger. They have like ginger tea that you can sip or even like hard candies that are ginger candies. Because ginger is one of those supplements that can kind of ease your stomach a little bit. So that can help you. That's not going to give you the nutrition that you need, but it might help to settle your stomach a little bit so you can get a little bit more nutrition. Small, frequent meals. Instead of sitting down and eating, you know, a large meal, I want to try and eat little meals throughout the day. A good tip that I've also posted on is trying to keep crackers by your bed and not even getting out of bed in the morning until you eat a cracker. Because sometimes it's that trigger of getting up in the morning, like getting out of bed that can make you really nauseous. So getting something immediately in your stomach, literally like two saltines and just eating that can make a world of difference. Bland foods. Okay, I'm in and crackers, but think the brat diet, right? Bananas, rice, applesauce, toast. And I mentioned water and staying hydrated is important, obviously. But if you can't do water, little sips of Gatorade or Pedialyte is really good. Coconut water. Some people don't really like coconut water. I personally don't like coconut water. Um, but something with a little bit of flavor can help a little bit more, you know, than just plain water. They have Pedialyte popsicles, Heard that from a friend who had severe uh, hyperemesis <laughs> during her, well, all three of hers, but diagnosed hyperemesis with her third one. And they have Pedialyte popsicles that are really good. But popsicles are another good one because those are, you know, full of water, ice, and then protein. Okay. I know protein is hard, but any bit of protein is going to help you feel more full and provide some of those essential nutrients. So anytime you can get a little bit of protein, even if it's like, an egg. Some people are like, oh, eggs. No. Or a nut. The more protein, kind of the better. All right. Last question. When is a good time to announce your pregnancy? Yeah, a good one to end on. So the, I guess, correct answer to this is not a certain week. It's whenever it feels right for you and that there's no wrong time to announce your pregnancy, whether it is the second after you get that positive test or it's not really at all, you know, to other than your partner and maybe your immediate family, but you're not really broadcasting it to much anyone else until after the baby's born. I've seen people do that. It's really up to you. And there's such a wide variety here. Some people are really more comfortable with telling maybe some closer friends kind of in that first trimester and then waiting until they get to that second trimester and they have that first appointment when they hear the heartbeat and, you know, they're out of the first trimester to kind of tell more like the general public. Some people wait until the anatomy scan to tell people that's another common one or viability at like 23, 24 weeks. And then some people, yeah, want to share really early with everyone because, Sometimes the benefit of that is if you do have a miscarriage, which I think is what everyone is kind of concerned about if they announce their pregnancy too early, if you do have a miscarriage, then you don't feel like you're so alone in the process because you have other people to kind of help support you because they knew you were pregnant. So that is just kind of some things to consider. Again, the right answer is it's different for everyone and there's really no wrong time. All right. Well, that is it for this episode with my first trimester ladies. Next week, we are going to be talking about travel tips. Ooh, fun. I'm about to actually record that episode too. It's 1045 p.m. on a Wednesday. My kids are in bed. I'm just sitting in here 
in the closet by myself and I'm going to record next week's episode. So I'm going to record it on travel tips and just kind of staying safe during your pregnancy when you travel. We're going to be talking about baby moons and it's going to be fun. I'm getting ready to record it right now, like I said. So I will see you guys next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth, and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth no matter how you deliver.